Macworld Podcast number 335 for January 2nd, 2013. Welcome once again to the Macworld Podcast. I'm Lex Friedman. Happy New Year. Lots of folks are making New Year's resolutions right now, saying that this is the time they're going to get healthy, they're going to start exercising more, moving more, maybe even eating better. As it turns out, there's a slew of devices available, many of which work with the iPhone, for tracking just how much your body's moving or logging how much you're eating. I talked to Macworld contributor Rich Mogul about several of these devices, what we like about them, what we don't like so much about them, and more. Let's get started. I'm joined by Rich Mogul, a Macworld contributor and the security editor at Tidbits, uh, and apparently, like me, also a uh, fitness tracking device enthusiast. Is that fair to say? You know, uh, I think enthusiast is a very kind way of stating that. <laughs> what would a what would perhaps a less a less kind but more accurate way be? Yeah, obsessive compulsive, right. um, freak geek. Yeah, there's there's a lot of options in there. I understand beyond enthusiast. So, Rich, what do you use? Uh, I've got a bunch. So the the day to day tracker that I use is the Jawbone Up. Obviously, the second version. Um, although I do have, I think, about a half dozen of the original versions <laughs> sitting around for my various warranty replacements. Right. Uh, and, and that's kind of the the full time fitness tracker, walking around during the day, counting the steps, and and everything else. And then I have some. Uh, I use a Withing scale. So that's for. It, it does the, you know, both weight and body fat, although obviously the body fat on those things is never fully accurate. And we can talk about that later if we want. For my athletic endeavors, I use a Garmin Forerunner 910 XT, which is their uh, super triathlon watch that I feel, um, uh, I feel for the money I paid, it, it should make me faster. <laughs> and, and I'm disappointed that it doesn't. Uh, and then I use a Zio Sleep Manager. And not every night, but whenever I start having problems sleeping. And then there's just a whole pile of stuff I've played with over the years. But but that's the core of kind of the day-to-day. The jawbone for the tracking, the withings to see how fat I am that morning, the Zio to see how poorly I slept because I have young children and I never sleep well, uh, and then the jawbone for the day-to-day movements. All right. So I wear, I mean, I review a lot of these for Macworld, so I tend to have a lot of accessories on me on my person at any one time, <laughs> uh, which is helpful in that I can use them to compare, you know, each other to see how they log steps and things. So I have, at this moment, I have uh, a Jawbone Up, the second generation. It's actually my second second generation because my first second generation up died, which was a little scary since that was the the problem that muddled their initial launch, which you sort of described there, where when they first released the up, this armband that's supposed to, or wristband that's supposed to be able to track your steps and sleep and such, um, they kept dying. So now they tried to remake them so they would be much more watertight and impact resistant, all those things, and then mine died. And I have been assured by Jawbone that my uh, my second generation up that died was a fluke and a manufacturing error, and they said they have very <laughs> few other reports. And the nice thing is, from what I've seen on Twitter and such, other people are not complaining about their new up, so I really do feel like I got hilariously unlucky. Uh, but besides that, I've got a Fitbit Zip in my pocket. I like a lot of the Fitbit products, and the Fitbit Zip is nice because instead of having a rechargeable battery like most of these trackers do, it uses a, uh, an, a battery that's changeable, so it lasts for about six or eight months on its own, and they just change out the little battery inside it, so that way you don't have to charge it. And it syncs via Bluetooth, so I pretty much never have to do anything but take it out of my pocket. And um, 
I also have a move band, which I'm just testing now, and it's a, a combination wristwatch and movement and step tracker. So it, it tells me not just how many steps I've taken, but how many moves I've made. And today, just for the record, at this moment, I am up to 34,426 moves for whatever that's worth. <laughs> You're, you're you're using your treadmill desk, aren't you? Yes, I do work on a treadmill desk, which means that for these wrist-worn trackers, I end up having to put them in my pocket for most of the uh, workday because otherwise they don't they don't log my movement if they're just on my wrist when I'm at the treadmill desk because of the way my hands are positioned. So the, the now the Zio, by the way, was new to me. That's that's a, a band you wear on your head. Yeah, so the Zio I've had for a couple of years now, or about a year and a half, I had um, the first version, which was the... So what what it does is instead of tracking your movements, it actually tracks your brain waves. And so it's almost your basically your own home sleep lab. Uh, it's not as detailed as a regular EEG would be, obviously, but it's a, a thin band. You kind of put it on your forehead. It's got a little box on the front that if you're married like like you and I are, is, is a very good way to amuse your spouse. And it will wire, there's a couple of different versions. The one that I have will basically over Bluetooth with the phone, it will actually track your brain waves during the night. Wow. So it, it's interesting because with the, the wrist mounted units or the Fitbits, that's kind of using actiography, which is you figuring out your involuntary body movements while you're asleep. And as you know, sometimes, well, it'll mark you off as being deeply asleep when you're wide awake. It's just that you're not moving. The, Zio will actually track your brain waves. And so it'll give you three categories, light sleep, deep sleep, and REM sleep, as well as when you're awake. Uh, so it gives you much more granular metrics. And they actually have their website. You can do a sleep log and you can correlate factors to your sleep. So if I have alcohol within three hours of bedtime, how does that affect my sleep? Those sorts of things. So do you have you compared the Zio sleep manager with, say, the, the up and how it, they track your sleep? Do they line up or are they very different? They are, they're pretty significantly different, uh, but it also depends on your sleep patterns. So I, I've done a bunch of comparisons. Now, if you remember, the old Jawbone used to give you a sleep rating, and the current one doesn't right. in the current app. The sleep rating was usually within 10%. Both of them were kind of on a 1 to 100 scale of what the Zio was, so that part was surprisingly consistent. I mean, if anything like that gets within, you know, if it's 85 versus 95, you're in the ballpark with these things. Sure. Uh, it doesn't do that anymore. Now it's just the deep and the total amount of time sleep. And I have found that the uh, the, the jawbone is, isn't nearly as accurate. Partially that might be because when I'm awake in bed, I tend to not move a lot. Right. So it gets really confused in, in terms of am I asleep or am I awake, where the Zio knows for the most part, although it has it, its own little inconsistencies as well. Gotcha. So let me start with this. And I, I have some feelings on this too, unsurprisingly, but I guess my first question is why do you use all these things? What's the real goal behind it? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because that really affects your buying decision for people who are listening and might want these. So for myself, I think we've talked before, you know, I'm not a, a high-end athlete, but I, I do race triathlons uh, and do running races and cycling. And those. I'm just going to say that that immediately suggests to me that you are, you know, an accomplished athlete, but okay, whatever. <laughs> no, 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 man. I'm in, I'm in the back of the pack, especially swimming. I'm lucky if I don't, I don't swim. I narrowly avoid drowning in a forward <laughs> direction. I mean, that's, that's the best that can be said. Fair enough. Uh, so yeah, you know, I kind of thought to myself, why do I want one of these? And it's for the reason you have a treadmill desk. You know, the research has really been coming out 
that the more you sit, the less healthy you are. And I work at home. I sit at a desk all day when I'm not traveling for work. And I kind of wanted something to kind of help motivate and track everything I'm doing when I'm not actively in a workout. So that was the motivation for the jawbone. And for me, that's why I got the jawbone versus some of the other uh, options out there because it has that reminder function. So I can set it for every 30 minutes, you know, remind me to go ahead and walk right? Uh, and, and keep me moving. And I like that. And it's just nice to compare. Like you just lose track of what you're doing during a day sometimes. Uh, so at least for the jawbone, as opposed to some of the other items, that that's kind of why I tried it. Your motivations might be a little different. Right. Well, the the truth is, you know, I, I have really no athletic ability or <laughs> attention in my life. And like you, you know, I was working from home and I was sitting at a desk all day and, you know, I had, I didn't even have another coworker's cubicle to walk over to. And I found a couple of years ago that I was sitting all day, um, every day. And I kept like you reading these stories about how sitting all day is bad for you. So I decided to switch to a standing desk, and I did that for a while. And then after about a year of standing, I decided to get the treadmill desk. And then when I was on the treadmill desk, I would stop from time to time. You know, you don't necessarily walk the whole day long, or at least I didn't early on. And when I would stop and switch over to sitting instead, it'd be very easy to just sit for a very long time. So the the sort of tool I used before I had like the jawbone up that could buzz and remind me, hey, I have mine set to 45 minutes. Hey, I've been inactive for 45 minutes. I should probably get up. Um, I used my laptop's battery as a reminder <laughs> because I would take <laughs> it and leave it unplugged on the, at the seated desk. And as it started to die, I would say, hey, you know what? I should probably go back up on the treadmill again. Um, but so when I started seeing these different accessories, uh, I was intrigued to try them out in part because I wanted to better log how far I'm going on the treadmill each day. Um, since the readouts on the treadmill display cycle over after, say, 99 miles. So, and I walk probably 75 or so miles a week on the treadmill. Um, so it, it was, I couldn't get any good aggregate numbers. So I wanted to really get better data about how much I was walking over time. And um, I wanted to, you know, better motivate myself to keep going instead of taking so many sitting breaks. Um, so yeah, so I have the, I, basically right now, the Fitbit is my primary source of competition with various other treadmill desk users. <laughs> yeah. Um, because they, you know, it logs all the numbers into the Fitbit website and you can compare with friends and see how they're doing. And I've, I mean, there are people on Twitter whom I've never met in person, but who just walk an insane amount, but they, I mean, my, I used to have my goal is 10,000 steps a day. And with the treadmill desk and the, these various devices tracking my steps each day, I'm usually now averaging somewhere over 20,000 steps during the, the work week and then like 500 steps on the weekends. Uh, but so for me, it was, it was really just personal motivation on uh, staying on the treadmill during the week since I, I thought I was not necessarily slacking, but that I wasn't doing as much as I could. Yeah, I, I have, to be, to be completely honest, I've learned to hate you um, <laughs> since we got connected with the sharing feature of the of the uh, jawbone up. Uh, it, I, I can go out for a, you know, I think if I run under five miles, I don't even come close to competing with you during a day. <laughs> I'm, I'm still in that, you know, at best 15,000. And that includes, you know, 30 to 40 minutes of, of running. I mean, it's a topic for another podcast, but you could always switch to a treadmill desk. <laughs> you know, I, I, when we're done recording the podcast, I'm going to ask you some questions about that. That's fine. That's, uh, that, that's yeah, definitely on the list. So now are, are what about the sleep, 
functions? Are you doing, you know, are you finding that useful? Because I know we've had a little bit of kind of back and forth with some of the comments. Right. But so every Fitbit that's not the Fitbit Zip, you can also use as a sleep tracker. And then obviously, like you said, the Jawbone Up does sleep tracking. So the Fitbit um, Ultra and the Fitbit One, I found those all annoying as sleep trackers because the Fitbit really clips onto your belt or you just drop it in your pocket. Or I guess if you wear one, you can clip it onto your bra. Um, or so they tell me, but, um, I, to, to wear it while you're sleeping, you have to stick it in this little fabric pouch that then Velcros around your wrist. I found that whole process annoying and tedious. So I didn't use that very much with the Fitbit, but I do almost every night when I remember switch the, the up into sleeping mode and, uh, track it. And so, I mean, I, I don't know how accurate it is, I guess. I mean, it certainly gets when I wake up because most of the time when I'm getting up, it's because there are kids who need my attention. So I'm up and out of bed and, if I, I have noticed that sometimes it records me being up in the night when I didn't know or don't remember <laughs> that I was up in the night. Um, and I don't know whether it's right or not. The one thing that's surprising to me with the sleeping numbers it's recording is uh, it seems like I don't have a lot of deep sleep. And I, you know, I, um, the people who I follow right now in the Jawbone Up app, I guess there aren't too many people in my social circle who have yet jumped on the Up bandwagon. But it's, you know, it's you, and then it's various people from the Jawbone team, <laughs> and <laughs> and I keep seeing, and none of them I have discovered have kids because they talk about sleeping, you know, nine, ten, eleven hours at night, and but they have these big, giant chunks of deep sleep, and I don't seem to have those. So either I'm a terrible sleeper or it's not tracking me well or something else is happening. Yeah, and it's hard to compare the Zio and the Op. So I'm looking now, so let's see, Tuesday on the 18th, I had 51 minutes of deep sleep, according to the Zio, which for me is, that that kind of hits my barely acceptable yeah. uh, level. I mean, I'm in, I'm in, well, it measures differently because deep sleep on the Up, I think, also includes REM sleep. Uh, and if I look at the, you know, the deep sleep for that night in the up is, oops, I looked at yours, not mine. That's, that's not a really helpful, <laughs> you know, it was like three hours versus 51 minutes. So Interesting. what it tracks is up. Oh, I was looking at the wrong day, but now that I'm at the right day, uh, yeah. So two hours, 39 minutes versus 51 minutes, because I think it, how it recognizes is different. W- what I've kind of found that I like the jawbone for, and it's, I think the reason I'm going to stick with jawbone as opposed to moving over to Fitbit, even though a lot more people for the social side that, you know, use Fitbit is the, the vibration alarm and the smart alarm. And I have found, I don't know how much you use that. Uh, I like having a vibrating alarm because sometimes I'll wake up early for, to go for, you know, swims or runs or bike rides. And I don't like to wake my wife up. Right. Uh, And, and I sleep with earplugs. So it's better than an audible alarm for me. Uh, and I do find that it it's pretty good about waking me up when I'm closer to being awake. So it's less of a jarring wake up, even if I might still be tired and want to go back to sleep. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, I, I hate alarm clocks because um, I always find first I find them startling and then I have to put them far away from me because if they're on my nightstand, I turn them off without waking up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I also had to put those across the room. Now, the truth is it's been six years since I used an alarm clock at all. Um, because my kids are early risers and they come into the room when they're awake. Um, so the only alarm I've, I've been using on those rare occasions when I have to get up extra early for a flight or something is the iPhone. And then I have to put the iPhone in the bathroom. So it'll ring in there and then I walk over. But I have, <laughs> uh, I have tried using the, uh, the vibration alarm and it does definitely wake me up on the up. The problem that I'm having, and actually the reason I started paying attention to how often or rarely the device says that I'm in deep sleep is, you know, it tries to wake you up. You tell it what time you want to wake up, and it'll look at a 30-minute window before that time and say, 
Uh, we're going to try to find your lightest sleeping time in that 30-minute window to wake you up because you'll wake up more refreshed and less groggy if we do so. And if we don't find a good light sleeping moment, we'll wake you up right at the end of the 30-minute window. Fine. The problem is it always wakes me up exactly 30 minutes before my alarm is set because it always finds that I'm in deep sleep around that, uh, that I'm in light sleep around that time. So I'm always, you know, if I'm set for 6.50, it'll always go off at 6.20 every day. Um, and I'm always, I mean, according to its chart, I'm always in light sleep then, but I find that annoying. I would like to see, well, what happens if you get me at 625 tomorrow? Am I still in light sleep? Yeah, that's interesting because, uh, I, I have found quite a bit more variability and I've had a few times where it wakes me up right on the line, uh, right at the time I set. Uh, now that's different. The Zio will do the same thing. It is audible, although you can set it so it, you know, sort of gradually escalates with nice chirping birds, um, <laughs> nice. Or, or whatever you want. But again, you know, I might use that when I'm traveling. Uh, the, there's a, the newer version of the Zio, which I, I have, um, I was actually in the beta test. They sent that to me, you know, it just plugs on a regular micro USB and you can kind of carry it on the plane with you and everything else. Uh, so it, it's, Definitely a good size to travel with. It's not a problem at all. There's no base stations like the old ones, but uh, you know the I don't know. It's just easier to hit the jawbone. You set the alarm. It doesn't fall off your head in the middle of the night. Uh, so as much as I'm learning a lot about my sleep habits, and like you, I have small children who wake me up early. I set my alarm because so I can wake up early and shower and eat because I have to drive them to daycare. Gotcha. Um, and so I, I like waking up about a half an hour before they do to get a little time to, to kind of get ready before I plop them on the couch. Understood. So, I mean, I will tell you, you know, right offhand, some of the annoyances that come to mind when I think about these different trackers. Um, I remember I reviewed one uh, a while ago called the Lark Life. Uh, they have a new, Lark has a new band out now that does pretty much all the things that the Jawbone Up band does. And my review unit has not yet arrived. But I know the original Lark only did sleep They tracking. do, by the way, have it in the Apple store. I saw it there today when I was getting That's right. fixed. That's right. But they, um, the original one only did sleep tracking and did vibration wake up, but did not do the optimal wake up feature. And I believe the new one still doesn't do the optimal wake up feature because their argument is that they would... Rather you get more sleep because they don't they don't really believe that waking you up in light sleep is is helpful. Um, but I would say that the you know some of these annoyances that I have like with the up, I th I find that this uh, reliance on its using the headphone jack on your iPhone to sync is very silly. Yeah, especially given the Jawbone's other you know product line, everything that they make is a Bluetooth accessory. The fact that they don't use BTLE low energy Bluetooth in their up is silly to me. So you, there's a little cap on the end of the band. You pull the cap off to expose the plug and you stick it into your iPhone's headphone jack and that's how it syncs. And you have a, that means you also have to have a special cable for charging it. Uh, you know, a, a, a one eighth inch plug to USB that you then plug into your USB adapter or into your laptop to charge. And I find that whole thing annoying and just fraught with things for me to potentially lose. You know, it, I'm, I, I, that really annoys me as well with the cap and the, the plug-in, but I, I really think I understand why. Because if you look, especially at the launch date of the original, that, you know, at that time there were so few, and there still really are, so, so many fewer Bluetooth low-energy phones out there and even iPhones out there that it would have just limited their market. So I suspect highly that the reason they went with the, the headphone jack and then subsequently stayed with it as they were dealing with the redesign issues uh, is because it just gives them a much wider market. And they've always talked about in their marketing materials about addressing, you know, kind of having this as something everybody can use and everybody should use every day of their lives. And if it only works with the latest versions of the iPhones, then, you know, that quickly wipes that out. So I, you know, can't really read their minds. I don't work in the marketing department, and I agree it's an annoyance, but that's my suspicion. 
I think that's a fairly reasonable guess. I will say, you know, the the newer Fitbits all do this BTLE thing, and I really appreciate it. it. You know, the the worst case scenario is if you've opened a whole lot of apps on your iPhone in the meantime, um, then you might have to relaunch the Fitbit app to to get it back into memory so that it can start doing the background syncing again. But generally speaking, I don't think about it at all, and I can go to the Fitbit website, and the iPhone app has in the background triggered itself via Bluetooth and synced with my device and updated my steps, updated the website in the background, and it's pretty great. Yeah, and look, all of these are so far beyond what we used to have. So the, That's the right. very first kind of sleep tracker thing I tried was years ago, and it was the sleep watch. And I, I think, God, this must have been seven, eight, more years ago. I got, always... I got one for my wife. You did? Yeah. Okay. So you know exactly. It was an audible alarm that was easy to not hear. Uh, the, the tracking, you had to look at the little screen on it. Nothing would connect to your computer. So I, I mean, as much as we have these annoyances. And we the... found that it wasn't that great. It just didn't, yeah. We found that it didn't track all that well. And speaking of which, how do you feel about the, I mean, we talked about the sleeping accuracy. How do you feel about the ups movement and steps accuracy? If we had done this podcast two days ago, I would have had a different response. The first time I compared it, so I went out with my Garmin, uh, which is, uh, I was actually out in Abu Dhabi for work and I was going out for a run and it was the first chance I had to kind of test both side to side with the GPS for running. Uh, and I, I, I kind of messed things up a little bit, but I got one mile, which was solid on both devices and it, it was dead on, I mean, to the 10th the of a mile. Wow. And yet two days ago I went for a run also with the with the Garmin, and it was by my house, so it's a route I normally run, uh, and it was off by 0.4 of a mile. So you can calibrate. I haven't done that, and the problem is, is if I calibrate for running, it won't be accurate for walking. Right. So I will probably calibrate it to walking because if I'm running, I'm using my you know one of my GPS devices anyway. Understood. Yeah, you know, it's I've been impressed by generally speaking for walking at least how close the devices are, but even close can be at the end of the day a couple thousand steps apart sometimes. Uh, the best ones, or at least what I'm guessing are the best ones, are the ones that are a, a few hundred apart. You know, to me, if it's if it's under a thousand steps apart, that seems pretty close. Um, but every once in a while, you know, it's this uh, this move band I'm testing recorded me walking nine miles yesterday where the up had me at 11 miles yesterday. And that to me seems like a substantial difference. Hmm. Well, were you on your treadmill where you could actually measure the, you know, which one was closer to accurate? Uh, I was, but I didn't, it was my first full day with the move band. So I didn't, I hadn't actually thought to check or log how much I'd actually done. So that's what's, uh, that's the plan for today. So I will at some point know <laughs> which one is more accurate. And I, I try to give them a few days and, you know, I, I'm putting, like I said, both of those bands in my pocket, which isn't their ideal use. And actually the move band suggests that you wrap it around your ankle if you are doing something like I'm doing. And I haven't tried that yet. So I'll have to try that too, to see if that gets a more accurate reading. Now, I haven't heard about the Move Band. Is that one not on the market yet? Uh, it is on the market. Um, it's from a company that I believe calls itself Movable. Um, but it's, uh, you know, I, I think they're small. <laughs> yeah, it's movable.com. <laughs> they're small and they're, they have this concept called the Move Challenge where they want you to not just be, they basically want schools and organizations to have everybody there get the Move Band and compete against each other in a collaborative way or I, I have to my I haven't written a review yet. I'm still you know gaining impressions from it, but uh, 
it's kind of ugly. <laughs> and <laughs> I, uh, so aesthetically, at least I am unimpressed. I, if you, I'll, we'll have a link in the show notes, but, uh, if you take a look at the movable band, it's just, it's very thin and vertical and you know, it's default display is the time. So display the time it's got the hour and then the colon and then the minutes all in a vertical stack with an A or P underneath it. And it's just, it's very goofy looking. Now, have you done the the Nike Fuel Band? That's one I've kind of avoided myself. I too have avoided it. It's it's. I don't love its uh, marketing. Yeah, the Fuel Band I think has a lot in common with the Up, but it's got more. You know, the Up has very little in terms of display on the band. If you want to know anything, you've got to sync it to the phone and look at your screen there. Where the I believe the Fuel Band has. Uh, you know, some LEDs on the screen that can spell out various messages to you or give you some reports on how you're doing. Yeah. I mean, I think it does, it's got it, it's clearly larger. It's got a bigger display, less battery life, but apparently it all focuses on these fuel points versus the, you know, the kind of just direct steps and calories that the Jawbone and the Fitbit and, and most of the other ones out there use. Right. Uh, you make a good point too. One thing that just infuriates me with the Fitbit um, and I really like, you know, all the Fitbits have built-in displays, so you can, without having to launch anything, I can just get a quick check on how many steps or whatever I've done that day. But Fitbit insists on showing calories that include calories burned through your basal metabolic rate. Um, so if you don't walk at all, if you leave the Fitbit off all day, you look at the end of the day, it'll say, well, you've burned a couple thousand calories because that's what your body has done naturally. Where the up, when you sync it, will show you both how many calories your body has burned total and how many you've burned through exercise. And it's clearly, clearly the fact that everybody's interested who's using these things in that second number. How many did I actively burn? Not how many did I passively burn merely by existing. And so I, that, that makes me frustrated with the Fitbit. Now, have you played with any of these scales or other sort of fitness devices? I have not. I, and I'm interested to hear your your take on yours because first, I didn't even. How was it pronounced again? It's Wythings. See, I always thought it was We Things, like it sounded like the Nintendo thing. <laughs> oh, maybe it is. I don't know. I no, I trust guys. you. What do I know? But <laughs> I, I've always I found that those seem pricey to me for what they can do. But if you convince me that it's worth getting, then I'm I'm interested. I'm all ears. Yeah, you know, it sort of depends. The um, We had a kind of one of those body fat scales. And the thing with those is they're never accurate. So it uses basically electrical impedance, and which is going to change based on the water content of your body. So it changes based on hydration, but the amount of body fat you have as well is going to affect the impedance, and that's what it measures off of. And what you want to look for when you're looking at these kinds of devices is, first of all, if you want just plain old weight, you know, the only reason to get one of these is if you want it integrated so you don't have to type it in uh, to, to Fitbit and such. And, and I'll talk about how the Wythings does that in a minute. But it's um, you want consistency across the body fat, like the absolute number of, you know, 15 uh, percent is not going to be accurate. But you will if you weigh yourself at the same time of day, generally, you'll be able to follow the trending and that'll be accurate. And, and you kind of know as you see your body weight change. So I got this because. My wife and I both used it. The old scale we had wasn't consistent. So no matter kind of what I did or hydration levels and stuff, it was always within the same sort of range. So I kind of wanted one that was going to be a, a bit more accurate, and this has a good reputation for that. Uh, and the other thing, too, is with this one, you actually get to pick the model it will use to do your body fat. So there's actually some different modeling that's been done, uh, and they update, update those every few years. So it, I don't know. Maybe it'll be more consistent or accurate interesting when it's getting your body 
your your BMI, let's say, is it doing that based on your weight and self-provided height information, or is it going beyond that? So for BMI, it's based on height and weight, but it does body fat readings. So okay. you step on it. And by the way, the Wythings ones, uh, Fitbit has theirs now, the Aria scale, and there's some other ones out there. The, the Wything ones, it, it really is beautiful. I mean, it looks nice in your bathroom. You step on it. You don't have to zero it out. It, it has a setting where it'll auto zero itself between times when you use it, things like that. Uh, and it does a full body fat measurement, a BMI, and, and your weight. And then you can track that and graph it with the iOS app, and you can feed it to other systems. So my wife has a Fitbit, and she does all the Fitbit stuff, so it feeds into Fitbit for her. For me, I use something called Training Peaks, which is a kind of more designed for, for athletes. It's a pay, for-pay service, and it sends my info to Training Peaks, which keeps track of all my running statistics and you know my swims and bikes and workouts and, and all of those sorts of things. Gotcha. It's an extravagance. <laughs> and, I mean, but you appreciate it, that it's there. I do, because the weight is pretty accurate, the body fat's consistent, and I my weight doesn't fluctuate a lot. I mean, I think you and I have met face-to-face once, I'm, I'm kind of skinny, and it doesn't change a lot, but my body composition will when I'm not working out as much. Understood. And, and this helps me pick up on that. So I might change two to three pounds of my weight, but my body composition will change significantly, and, and that kind of motivates me to keep on track. Understood. Yeah, for me, you know, I did end up using the Lose It app and the MyFitnessPal app to do some calorie tracking in 2012, where, you know, I when I got the treadmill desk, it was not for weight loss. The idea was just that I wanted to move my body more so that I could feel like I was being healthier. Um, and what I found was I was burning all these extra calories. So I decided, hey, I can eat more desserts, which I then did. So my weight stayed the same. And then I thought, hey, if I didn't actually eat those extra desserts, would I probably lose weight? So then I started using those calorie tracker apps to count calories each day. And so I started 2012, and I'm 6'2", I'm so I'm a tall guy. So these are huge numbers, but please don't think that I'm ridiculously gigantic. But I started 2012 at around uh, 217 or so, and I ended 2012 around 193. Um, really, you know, no exercise beyond the treadmill, and then no diet change other than counting calories with those apps. So, I mean, I... I Kept seeing, you know, how in both of those apps actually integrate with that, with the why the things or we things scale, uh, I believe, so they can automatically update your weight. But for me, it was kind of a point of pride to go in and lower the number when it got to go down every few days. <laughs> yeah, you know, and that, I mean, that's coming back to a lot of why we do these things. And, and some of the things that surprised me when I got connected with you on Jawbone is the the kind of motivational social aspect. I mean, Look, I don't need motivation to get out there and go for a run or a bike ride. I mean, that's just kind of built in. But that's not necessarily a healthy lifestyle. I mean, as a matter of fact, I had to stop working out for a while this summer because I had overtrained and I got an irregular heartbeat. Wow. So uh, it's these sorts of things, this day-to-day you know, sort of fitness health that that I find now is is just as interesting or more interesting than my my crazy, geeky, you know, triathlon. Right. So the, yeah, the, the scale and getting that motivation and watching the graph of the scale, I mean, it's such a little thing and whether you put it in manually or, or you go to a site that's pulling it automatically, when you can see those lines and those waves and that wave starts creeping up I mean that that's extra motivation than looking at the scale and going, yeah, I'm not going to step on that again for another month. <laughs> right. Right. When I saw the social element that all of these different trackers have, I was not expecting it to, 
uh, be a big deal. But it definitely, you know, uh, the only people I'm allowing are people who uh, I'm not embarrassed, let's say, about the steps I'm taking or about the sleep I'm having. I don't care if people see it. But and the people who are uh, I'm tracking alongside on both sites, I don't know most of them personally. Um, you know, I uh, Susan Orlean, the author, just got a treadmill desk and she was asking me for advice. And so now I'm, I'm comparing with her, but I really don't know her and the, how many steps she walks doesn't really motivate me. But you know, the fact that there are a few people on my list who are walking these crazy amounts each day. I know you think that I have a lot of steps each day, but I've got these people who I'm walking against who are doing 30,000, 32,000 steps a day, and they're just crushing me. I feel like I have to keep walking so that I can stay moderately competitive with them. And it's obviously ridiculous. I mean, it doesn't matter. The worst case is that they would, you know, lightheartedly trash talk me on Twitter or whatever. Uh, but it's, you know, there's nothing... There's no reason that it should be motivating, and yet it still is. Knowing that they're there and there's going to be these rankings and wanting to see if I can get to the top of the chart at some point. It's hilarious, but there it is. Yeah, I mean, when, you know, I don't know anybody else other than you as the drop on up. I knew one or two people had the old ones, and they haven't gotten the new ones yet. And so I didn't have any of those features turned on. I think I turned it on, what, a week ago when, when we decided we were going to do this podcast, and I connected. I was like, I'm like, oh, my God, it, it it's surprising it, especially because I can't even come close on a day-to-day basis with you. But but I won't lie. There's some afternoons I'll see that 25,000 number, and I'll be like, I'm going to run a little bit longer today just to see if I can like be slightly less embarrassed. <laughs> and, and we have totally different lifestyles. Right. And, and, and I'm kind of a privacy freak sometimes, and yet, I mean, you literally, you know, if you look, you'll see that I took a nap yesterday. I used the power nap feature of the up because I was just feeling absolutely horrible. Like, I, I never let anybody know I'm taking naps or <laughs> how far I've walked or what I've been eating uh, when I play with the meal tracking. So, uh, which, by the way, I think is probably the biggest hole in all of these things. I don't know how you feel about that. Yeah, I mean, I think that the the ups meal tracking is ridiculous where they want you to use the app to take a picture of food. I think I've done it one time while I was in the process of reviewing the app. You can go in and manually log those things, but... Since that's clearly not the focus of the device, I feel like it, it feels very afterthoughtish within the app. Have you used the the 2.0, though? It's got the, the scanning and the typing. Right. Like it, the do, it, right. it does have the scanning and typing, but I still feel like in the app, it's since it's not what it's focused on, I mean, it's I think it's fine. And I think if I hadn't sort of gotten into Lose It and MyFitnessPal, which pretty much offer the same feature set, that I, I would probably be fine with the ups. But I feel like there is still work to be done somehow in terms of the general technology for calorie tracking, although I don't know what form it will take. I should acknowledge that, you know, um, I mean, I've I've slightly, uh, what's the word, biased on this because years ago before I worked for Macworld, I co-founded a startup called The Daily Plate that did diet tracking. It was a web site for doing diet tracking. It's now part of Livestrong.com because it was acquired by a different company several years ago. But, you know, it's, it's even then, you know, we felt we wish we could do more than just, you know, either having people manually type in the calories based on the labels for the food they're eating or scanning the barcodes, because especially the, the healthier, generally speaking, the food you cook at home is going to be healthier and that gets so much harder to track. And I, I don't know, I, I think there's an opportunity there. But like I say, I don't know how to solve that problem. Yeah, I don't know either. I mean, I played with those. Uh, I don't, you know, meal track a lot and, and it would help like when I'm in training for like if I have an event coming up those kind of things can actually matter a lot. If I have too few little calorie intake or I'm eating the wrong kinds of things in a day. And, and I know more serious triathletes who, who kind of really track that stuff obsessively. Uh, and I'm still in many ways, relatively new to the sport and, and it would be helpful, but, but you're right. I mean, none of the apps really, really nail that. I, and I think that's the weakness and it's hard because that is 
fully 50%. It's more. It's like 80% of what makes us healthy is what we eat. I'm in some serious trouble if that's true. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So uh, so I I, obviously we we come from different motivations for why we're using these trackers, but we're using them. And we're, I mean, I don't know about you, but I check my numbers each day. I know on the weekends now where I don't have the treadmill desk and I'm home with the family, I do think about it a little bit more. There have been days where I saw that my number was too low at the end of the day on a weekend. And so my wife and I march around our master bedroom before we go to sleep just so we can get the step counts a little bit higher. Um, But how do you feel about it? Do you feel like it's overall a positive impact? Do you think we're getting needlessly obsessed with these stats or what? Yeah, you know, I think there there is a point where it gets a little overboard. Um, If I look at kind of all of the things that I have, uh, the sleep tracking, the Zio, for for instance, I think most of what I've learned off the Zio is, is common sense. I, I've tried a little bit of some of the sleep hacking things where you you know try melatonin or vitamins at this in the morning at a certain time or whatever else. I mean, if I wake up, I know I feel like garbage or not, uh, and yet I still use it. I'm kind of hoping that I'll find some secret, and so it's informative. For example, I know if I have say 50 minutes of deep sleep versus two hours. I know there's a huge difference, but I haven't right. yet gotten to the point where I'm able to dial it in and make material changes in my life. Um, and maybe it's just, you know, sending my kids off to college, which they're three and a half and two is probably not going to happen. Um, when it comes to the, the jawbone, I, I mean, I'm generally pretty motivated to move. There's other things. I have one of those, you know, timers on my on my Mac that'll, you know, pop up every 20 minutes to get me to move or whatever else. So, I mean, it is good. I think sometimes I find myself obsessing over the numbers more than I need to and more than it necessarily provides value to me. I don't mind that because I actually enjoy it. I'm geeky that way, but you know, I don't care. Like I could wipe out all of my data that's in that jawbone and I won't care as long as I can get my numbers the next day kind of a thing. And so I think none of these things have hit the point where they're actually can make you know, real changes in your life other than the, the core motivation. And so, you know, as people are looking at these, if you need that motivation, particularly the social aspect, that that's wonderful. But if you don't need that, you know, just realize you're, you're spending money to play with toys to, to track your stuff that probably won't otherwise make a difference. Is that cynical? Uh, no, I think it's fair. I mean, I, I feel like I agree with about 92% of what you just said, because I feel like even if you do use it, if you put it in your pocket or wherever or on your wrist, whichever fitness tracker you decide to get, um, first of all, you're right. It's I mean, it's a nicety. It's it's a luxury item at best. And it's you know, it's it's a tiny bit silly. Um, but I feel like if you use it and check in with your numbers from time to time, that it does provide actionable data. I mean, I think that's less true for sleep, because even if I see that I'm not getting enough deep sleep, let's say, I, I don't know exactly what I can do to change that. I know that if I'm feeling more tired, I'll go to sleep earlier. And if I'm not, then I won't. But beyond that, uh, on the step side, I feel like it really can be motivational. Uh, I know what numbers I want to get. I have, I've had to up my total step goal with the Fitbit and with the up because it used to be 10,000 and then it was 15,000 and I had to make it 20,000. And I would only know those numbers if I, be, I only know those numbers, I should say, because I'm using those devices. And uh, I feel like even though I got them as uh, on a sort of whim and just because I was interested in what the technology was like and what they were like to use, uh, that uh, they've proven to be uh, intentionally or not motivational in getting me to move more. And I I think that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And look, as cynical as I was with that, I do know that day to day I sit less now thanks to the jawbone. 
I mean, it'll give me that 30-minute alert, which, by the way, is really annoying when I forget to turn it off when I get on an international plane flight where you're <laughs> stapled to your seat anyway. Right. You know, it does provide that additional motivation. And certainly the more advanced devices I use, like the Garmin's, uh, if used properly, I can get some very significant training benefits out of those versus just kind of tracking how far you ran with with a GPS like some of the phones do. So I, it is useful. Uh, sometimes I worry, for example, though, that like getting the Wything scale, I didn't need the Wything scale. I mean, I know how much I weigh, you know, with, with any scale. And, and maybe that was going a little too far. And it, it's fine. I had the disposable income for it. And I don't know. It makes me happy. Is that good enough? Yeah, it, it definitely is. If you're happy, then you should keep using it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I have seen a lot of people kind of get these they'll obsess for a little while and they don't integrate it into their lifestyle. Uh, and that's probably where they're, they're, def- they're less effective. I, I just feel like we're one or two generations off from something that's really going to make a difference. So, and I'm not sure if you feel the same way. I don't, I've, I feel like the numbers will get more accurate. I do. I mean, I generally wonder... You know, like I said, I don't usually, for most of my active tracking, my bands are in my pocket where the Fitbit is. I feel like it's nev- we're never going to get really fully accurate numbers for how much we're moving from something that's on our wrist. <laughs> I don't know if you ever feel this way, but I feel if I'm walking and I'm not moving my arms enough when it's on my wrist, I feel like I start to swing my arms a little bit more just yep. to make sure that the up starts tracking it. And I, I've noticed, you know, if I'm carrying a kid or if I'm carrying something heavy in that hand that those steps don't count. I, I remember just a few days ago, I was helping my wife with unloading a bunch of stuff from the car and there was a, a time consuming process. And then when I was finished, uh, the up buzzed at me that I hadn't been moving enough recently. And I, I've just been moving for 20 minutes, moving heavy objects, but you didn't notice, I guess, because it, the stuff was in my hand. But I think you're right that they're going to get better at the tracking element. And then if they can do that, there's there's something to be said for finding ways to make it more immediately motivational. That's one thing I get excited about more with some of the up's competitors, because the up can only notify you about what you're doing when you manually sync it with the ones that can do this Bluetooth syncing. Uh, I tested one from Striv or Strive. I'm not sure how you say it. Um, that also goes in your pocket and the Fitbit, the newer Fitbits at least can notify you on your iPhone screen when it notes that you should start when you've reached a milestone or when it notes that you've been, you know, so the up can buzz when it notes that you've been sitting around for a while, but this one can, the other ones can make your iPhone light up or they can say, Hey, you're only 4,000 steps from your daily walking goal for the day, or wow, you've passed it by 3000 steps, stuff like that. And I feel like focusing more on that piece of real time, immediate feedback to give you reflection on what you are doing and motivation for what you should be doing is probably the next major area for these devices to develop. Yeah, I mean, really what you're talking about is the gamification of fitness. Uh, Nike is actually moving aggressively there. I don't know if you saw yesterday or the day before. Not only do they have they done the, the Nike Plus ecosystem now, uh, and they've started basically opening up developer programs and such, they have their first games tied to the fuel band. So based on how much you move during the day, when it syncs up, you'll go in and, and you'll you know basically be playing a game almost. Um, based on your movements, which is a little bit different than, you know, say using a, a Wii Fit or or uh, an Xbox Connect or something along those lines. Right. And the Striv has that same sort of approach where you would earn fitness points as you moved and you could use those to sort of build out a Farmville style farm and other in-app games. Yeah. I I, I think it's pronounced Strive. That, oh, I can believe that. More, yeah, that, yeah, that makes sense. So the, uh, yeah, I mean, I think all of those sort of motivational tools and, and, and Part of me is it, it's kind of sad that we have to have those 
but so many of us have these sedentary office-driven lifestyles. Uh, I know, though, I've done physical labor things like when I was ski patrolling or something else. I mean, you'd laugh at having something like this, but right. I mean, for the rest of us, it really is fascinating. I mean, you can be a high-caliber athlete, and then, or at least a recreational athlete, but if you're not moving significant portions of the day, you're not necessarily getting all the benefits. You might have a strong heart. You know, it just means it's going to, I don't know, more muscles going to die when you finally have that heart attack because you haven't paid the rest, attention to the rest of your health. Right. I always tend to shy away from gamification as a concept in general because I feel I, I feel like my life isn't a game. It's something that's very real to me and I, I don't like to earn meaningless points. But I guess at the end of the day, even when I'm just looking at my step count or my sleep count, that's what it is. I mean, the numbers don't mean much in the grand scheme of things, but it's it's getting a new high score and that's no matter how you try to deny it, it's it's rewarding to get that. Yeah, and tracking these things and graphing over time. I was in training peaks and there's a, a couple of metrics they keep track of uh, that are a little bit more advanced in, in terms of to help gauge your fitness levels. And, and as I watch that number creeping down, it's it, it's kind of hard. I'm like, my blue line's getting too low. I, I got to do something to get that back up there. And it's some weird instinctive response, competitive response that we have as humans. But hey, look, if we got to tap into that stuff to get us off our behinds uh, instead of sitting at the desk, uh, you know, reading reading websites all day, then I'm, I'm fine with it. Great. Well, uh, so I, I think this has been very good. I really appreciate you taking the time, Rich. Thanks for joining us here on the Macro Podcast. No, I'm happy to join. It's fun to talk about something other than security. <laughs> and in addition to thanking Rich Mogul, it also makes sense for me to say thanks to you for tuning in to our podcast. Of course, if you ever have any feedback that you'd like to share on the Macworld Podcast, you can email us at podcast at macworld.com or leave us a voice message at 415-967-3622. Once again, I'm senior writer Lex Friedman, reminding you that if you want to find more Apple, Mac OS, iOS, and technology news, views, and information, the place to go is Macworld.com. Thanks so much. <laughs>